celebration that we have during the feasts of Sukkot, where God is dwelling with his people. And I also told my daughter, too, I said, you, you see this structure? I said, God lives in our heart. We're called the temples of the God Most High. And God dwells within us. And his spirit dwells within us. And, you know, for a little four-year-old, she's starting to catch on a little bit more. And I said, God can speak to you. And I said, you know, those prayer, prayers that we pray from time to time, he hears us and he answers those prayers. And she just looked up me and smiled and she said, I really love God and I really want to know him more. And I said, that's part of the, the blessing is that you get to know him more. And I said, for all eternity, you'll be in the presence of the Lord. Father, we just humbly come before you. We thank you for this time of ingathering, of Sukkot. And Father, we thank you for the provision that you've made for us. You've caused us to prosper even in the midst of a pandemic. You've kept us alive and you're strengthening us, almighty God. But we lift up all those who are currently suffering from this COVID virus, almighty God. May your healing touch come upon them. Father, in that you got their full attention right now. May your spirit descend upon them and bring them to the truth of who Yeshua is, God's salvation in living in a living being, almighty God. Salvation from you is not just a thing, not just a process, but it is a living being. And it's in Messiah Yeshua they can gain eternal life and have their names inscribed in the book of life, almighty God. We also lift up our people of Israel who are part of the diaspora and also part of the land, in the land, Father. May your presence be with them. Remove the veil from their eyes so they can see the reason behind celebrating Sukkot, Almighty God, is to dwell and know the presence of the living God, to know him intimately, O Father. Just as Moshe did, Moses did and saw him face to face and spoke to him. This is the heart's desire of your people, Almighty God. For you've ordained the Jewish people to be both uh, kings and priests upon this earth to proclaim the good news to the nations, Almighty Father. And Almighty God, I, I enjoyed the time that I was in the sukkah this week, and I was reading those daily scripture verses. And Father, one that just jumped off of the pages that you reminded me about was that there are 10 bowls that are sacrificed per day. That's 70 bowls. And what do those bowls represent? But the 70 nations of the earth, that you've ordained the Jewish people to be a light to the Gentiles. And who's the light? Not the people, but Messiah Yeshua. He's the light of the world, Almighty God. And we rejoice, Almighty God, that here the Jewish people, from the establishment of Sukkot, were daily sacrificing. The priests would take those 10 bulls and sacrifice those 10 bulls per day that represent those nations, almighty God. You love the nations, you create the nations, and you've given your divine plan for them to come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the revelation of the Jewish people as a living testimony through Torah, which points directly to Yeshua, almighty God. May they see what is behind the shadows. We pray for the Jewish people that you would remove the veil so they will see Yeshua as the Redeemer, as the Mashiach, as the Messiah. Prepare their hearts and minds, O Ruach HaKodesh, 
Lead them into all truth. May the Tanakh become alive and the Brit Hadashah, Almighty God, may it be introduced to them, your divine new covenant that you wanted to establish with the house of Israel, Almighty God. To all the 12 tribes of Israel, O Father, we speak to them today. And we call them, Father, to come to know Messiah Yeshua by the leading and the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. May their names be inscribed in the book of life. Almighty God, that's our heart's desire. In Yeshua's name, amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The title of today's message is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Hoshana Rabbah the great supplication. It's also today we're celebrating Simchat Torah, rejoicing in the Torah, which reveals God's divine plan, not only for the redeeming of the Jewish people, but all the nations. Turn with me now to the book in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, the book of John, chapter 7, will begin in verse 1. In Hebrew, it's Yohanan, but in English, it's John. John 7, beginning in verse 1. After this, Yeshua traveled around in Galil, intentionally avoiding Yehuda or Judah, because the Judeans were out to kill him. In some translations, it has been improperly translated as the Jews. The proper translation would the Judeans. Now, who's this speaking of? This is speaking of the priestly caste, the Pharisees, and those that were ruling the land underneath the boot of Rome, who were the Sadducees. These two groupings here. And what is the background of, of uh, Yohanan John chapter 7? But the upcoming celebration of Sukkot, or Feast of Tabernacles. So let us continue here in verse 2. But the festival of Sukkot in Yehuda, in Judah, was near. So his brothers said to him, whose brothers? Yeshua's brothers. Leave here and go on into Yehuda. Now, why are they saying go down to Judah here? As I said earlier, this is the Moedim. This is the appointed feast of Adonai. There were three feasts per year that every male was to assemble himself before the Lord in Jerusalem. They are Pesach, Passover, Shavuot, Pentecost, and lastly, Sukkot, or in English, Feast of Tabernacles. And so as his brothers were speaking this to him, they knew that, that Yeshua had to go. For him to fulfill Torah, which they were all in the process of living by Torah, that this was an appointed time. He had to go. So let's continue here. So his brothers said to him, leave here, and go into Yehuda, so that your Talmudim, your disciples, can see the miracles you do. For no one wants to become known 
acts in secret. If you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. Now, what this is a reference to, they knew that Jewish men and women families were traveling from the diaspora, and they were all assembling where? In the land of Israel. And where were they going to? But to Jerusalem to celebrate the appointed feasts of Adonai. Let's move forward. Verse 5. Okay. In verse number 5. His brothers spoke this way because they had not put their trust in him. And that's a truthful statement there. Because did not Yeshua say that a prophet is not well received in his own village or his own town? And so they did not believe yet that Yeshua was the promised Messiah. They heard of these miracles. They may have even witnessed these miracles. But God had not allowed them up to this point to put their full trust or recognizing that Yeshua was the promised Messiah. Going forward, verse 6. Yeshua said to them, is he speaking to his disciples? No, these were his brothers. My time has not yet come, but for you, any time is right. The world can't hate you. If you have a pencil, under that line, that word in your Bibles, if the Spirit of the living God tells you to. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me. Because I'm telling the world how wicked its ways are. Why now throughout the earth are believers in Messiah being persecuted by the world? Is that by us living our lives and letting our, his light shine in and through us to the world, we reveal their wicked ways. And so Yeshua is, 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 is now saying to his brothers this, they don't hate you. They hate me. And why does the world hate me? Because I point out their wicked ways to them. Let's go forward. Verse 8. You can go on up to the festival. But as for me, I'm not going up to the, the festival now. Because the right time has not yet come. See, he knew this. Remember verse 1? Yeshua avoided going down to the feast. Why? Because he knew that those that were in the religious leaders of that day desired to put him to death. He believed that they believed that, that Yeshua was leading them away from the Torah. But literally, Yeshua was fulfilling Torah. He was living out the proper application of Torah. Let's go now to verse 9. Having said this, he stayed on where? In Galil, Galilee. 
See, that was the area where Yeshua did most of his ministry was throughout the Galilee. Galilee. Verse 10. But after his brothers had gone up to the festival, he went up, but not publicly, but in secret. Verse 11. At the festival of Sukkot, the Judeans were looking for him. Where is he, they asked. And among the crowds, there was so much whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. But others said, no, he's deceiving the masses. Deceiving them from what? They truly believed that he was leading the people away from Torah. But he was not. Continuing, verse 13. However, no one spoke about him openly. Because who did they fear? The Judeans, who were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 14. Not until the festival of Sukkot was half over. So Sukkot lasts what for seven days? So he did not come until it was half over. Did Yeshua go up to the temple courts and he began to do what? He began to teach. The Judeans now were surprised. How does this man know so much without having studied, they asked. See, he did not have the rabbi's credentials. But he had the spirit of the living God teaching him and leading him into all truth. Yeshua had his Brit Milah, his circumcision on the eighth day. He was there at age 12 at the temple as a boy when he went on a particular feast with his parents. And he was found there teaching and asking questions of the most learned rabbis of that day. And they were astounded by his answers. Now let us go forward to verse 16. So Yeshua gave them an answer. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is from God or I speak on my own. Notice those words. He's not asking people to come and follow him and to gather a group. He acknowledges one who sent him. Who's that one? But Abba, Father God. What were those Judeans who were Pharisees and Sadducees? They were terrified by this Yeshua performing miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. They were not walking in that power and authority that God had bestowed upon Yeshua. And people were beginning to follow Yeshua. Notice this. He goes down to Sukkot by himself. It does not speak that his Talmudim went with him. 
They probably said, oh, Yeshua, we got to get down there. The discussion between him and his Talmudim is not even mentioned here. Most likely, Kepha, Yohanan, and the rest, Yaakov, they already went and they were there at the very beginning of the celebrating Sukkot. But Yeshua remained. See, his timing was being ushered and spoke out by Abba, Father God. Did Yeshua fulfill Torah? Absolutely. At the right appointed time and allowing the spirit of living God to lead him. During this pandemic, whose voice are we to be listening to? Our own or people's voices? We're to be hearing the voice of Abba, Father God. The voice of Yeshua, our Mashiach, our Redeemer, our High Priest. And we're to hear the voice of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of Living God, who leads us into all truth. Notice Yeshua in the very first uh, lines before this, he said, those who hear me will know the one who has sent me. He's not doing this of his own accord. He's not trying to build himself in the, in the minds and the hearts of the people. He's pointing them to the one who has sent him. Let's move forward. Verse 17, if everyone wants to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is from God or I speak of my own. Verse 18, a person who speaks his own is trying to win praise for himself. Have you ever ran into Bible teachers? Whose their main focus is to sell you a tape or a book? And to come follow them. Yeshua was never about that. And he, verse 18 again, a person who speaks of his own is trying to win praise for himself, but a person who tries to win praise for the one who sent him is what? Is honest. He or she is a man who walks in, in integrity. And their ministry is built on integrity. It's built on exalting Abba, Father God, and Him only. Verse 18, one more time. A person who speaks on his own is trying to win praise for himself. But a person who tries to win praise for the one who sent him is honest. And there is nothing false about him. The intentions of his heart, they are pure before God. Because that individual is building the Father's kingdom and not his own. Verse 19. Didn't Moshe give you the Torah? Did not Moses give you the Torah? Yet not one of you obeys the Torah. Wow. Did not Yeshua say the world hates him because he points out their wicked ways? 
Yeshua knew what was going on in their hearts and minds. And he said, you are not doing what is pleasing in the Father's sight. He calls them out on the carpet. And what is this whole season from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur and the ingathering of being in the presence of the Lord all about? Teshuvah, repenting of your sins, being reconciled unto God so that you can dwell in his presence. This is all what the kingdom of God is about. It's not buying land and building a building. It's all about people. Notice these tabernacles that, that the children of Israel are commanded to build. They're just temporary. It's not the sukkah that the focus is on. It's the literal presence of knowing God and him dwelling and protecting and loving his people and providing all their needs. So th during this time of this pandemic, recognize God has got your whole attention. You're have, you have an opportunity to be one-on-one -on -one with Adonai and his son Yeshua and the Ruach HaKodesh and for his divine presence to be with you as never before. This is a blessed time. God can bless us and we can walk in his provision and rejoice in him even in the midst of the pandemic. Is he not Lord of, over all our situations? Do we not live in his presence? Is it not all to be about him? Let's continue. Verse 19, didn't Moshe give you the Torah, yet not one of you obeys the Torah? And he asks this question. This is not directed to the common people that he's speaking to as he's teaching in these temple courts. He looks now at the eyes of those who are assembled, who are the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he says these words to them. Didn't Moshe give you the Torah, yet not one of you obeys the Torah? Isn't that a cold slap in the face? He's calling the, the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel and saying, you are walking in sin, and you're not obeying the Torah. And how does he end this verse? Why are you trying to kill me? Let's continue. That's the religious leaders. He's posing this question. Because the spirit of living God that dwells with him, who is the Ruach HaKodesh, and he is God, both God and man, manifested in human flesh, who is the eternal high priest, who is Yeshua. He's calling them out from their sin. He's able to read the intentions of their hearts, what's going, what they're thinking on their minds. He's walking by discernment of the spirit of the living God that leads him into all truth. Verse 20. You have a demon, the crowd answered, who is trying to kill you. 
See, they simply tried to pass it on. But Yeshua answered them, one thing, I did this one thing. Because of this, you are now all amazed. What was that? He healed someone on Shabbat. Let's continue in verse 22. Moshe gave you the Brit Milah, which is circumcision. Not that it came from Moshe, but the patriarchs. See, Abraham never lived under the Torah because it was not established yet. The Brittany law, the circumcision, the entering of, into covenant. At eight days old, every male Jewish boy undergoes the rite of circumcision. He then becomes what? A son of the covenant of God's redemption plan. Let's go forward. Moshe gave you the Brittany law, not that it came from Moshe, but from the patriarchs. And you do a boy's Brit Milah on Shabbat. If a boy is circumcised on Shabbat so that the Torah of Moshe will not be broken, why are you angry with me? Because I made a man's whole body well on Shabbat. Stop judging by surface appearances and judge the right way. Some of the Yerushalayim people said, isn't this the man that they're out to kill? See the plot? These religious leaders could not hide unto themselves. Why? Because they were searching for Yeshua. Because they knew this. For Yeshua to live according to Torah, he had to come to the festival of Sukkot. So they were searching among the crowds, trying to recognize him. They were probably calling in people and said, you were in Galilee, you heard this man speak. You saw the miracles that he performed. You'll probably, you can be an eyewitness so we can arrest him. Let's continue here. Verse 26. Yet here he is speaking openly. See, this was blowing their minds. The people that were listening to Yeshua speak and teach in the temple courts. Yet he is here speaking openly, and they don't say anything to him. It couldn't be, could it, that the authorities have actually concluded that he is the Messiah? That's why they're not arresting him? Let's continue. Surely not. We know this man comes from. But when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he comes from. See, this is speculation by the people. Continuing. Verse 28. Whereupon Yeshua, continuing to teach in the temple courts, cried out, Indeed, you do know me, and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of my own, but the one sent me is real. God is real. But him you don't know. Notice that word. Why don't they know him? Because in the Tanakh, who appeared before Moshe was Yeshua. Who spoke to Moshe face to face? I truly believe it was Yeshua. 
In the scripture, it says that no man has seen the Father. And Yeshua, through his whole ministry, he says that none of you have seen the Father, but I have. And who is the revelation of the Father? Literally. But Yeshua himself. But him you do not know. The last part of verse 28. Verse 29. I do know him. Because I am with him. And he sent me. Continuing. At this they tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Because his time had yet not come. Imagine that. Right there, the Pharisees. They're all worked up. Their heart's desire. Well, somebody move. But they can't. Why? Because they're being restrained. See, Abba, Father, God will not allow anything to happen to you unless it's your time to endure whatever the Father is allowing you to endure. Are we to walk in fear because of this pandemic? Absolutely not. But we're to hear the voice of the Father and the Son, who is Yeshua, and the Ruach HaKodesh, so that we'll do what is pleasing in the Father's sight. Anything that he asks you to say or do, simply do it. Walk in his provision. Let's move forward. Verse 30. At this they tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. However, many in the crowd put their trust in him. Did you hear that? They began to believe and put their trust in him. Let's move forward. And said, when Messiah comes, will he do more miracles than this man has done? Verse 32, the Pershim, the Pharisees, sent some of the temple guards to arrest him. Yeshua said, I will be with you only a little while longer. Then I will go away to the one who sent me. You will look for me, and you will not find me. Indeed, where I'm going, you cannot come. The Judeans said to themselves, Where is this man about to go? That we won't find him. Does he intend going to the Greek diaspora and teach Greek-speaking Jews? See, there were Jews from the diaspora, Greek-speaking Jews, who had come down for what? For the celebration of the festival of Sukkot the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they were presuming, well, he must be going to go outside the land to teach them. Let's continue here. That's their speculation. And when he says, you will look for me and not find me, indeed, where I am, you cannot come, what does he mean? Verse 37, now on the last day, the festival of Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, Yeshua stood out and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me drinking. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scriptures say, rivers of living waters 
will flow from his innermost being. You know what? For many people that read the scripture, it's just like everything goes over their heads because they don't understand the significance. What is happening here on Hosanna Rabbah? And I'll get into more details. Let's finish the scripture first. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his innermost being. Now, Yeshua said this about the Ruach, the spirit, with whom those who trusted in him were to receive later. Not that day, but later. The Ruach, the spirit, had not yet been given because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. So he had to die and raise from the dead for his ruach to be placed on those who put their trust and faith in him. Let's continue on verse 40. On hearing his word, some people in the crowd said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. That's a proclamation of trust and faith. But others said, how can the Messiah come from Galil? Doesn't the, the Tanakh say that Messiah is from the seed of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? What are they quoting? They're quoting but 2 Samuel 7.12. This was a fulfilled prophecy in Micah 5. And some translation is verse 1, some translation is verse 2, on to verse 43. So the people were divided because of him. Now, some believers would read that last scripture there and say, wait, is it Yeshua supposed to reconcile all people back to God? Yes. But he will divide households. Is, does not scripture say that he will divide husband against wife, uh, son against father? daughter against mother. He will be a disruption because he calls for a full and total commitment as of receiving him as Messiah. And those of you like myself and others who are from a Jewish background, a Jewish family, when one of us acknowledges Yeshua as Messiah, our house becomes divided because not all have had the veil removed from their eyes. Let's go forward in the scripture here. Verse 43. So the people were divided because of him. Some wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. The guards came back to the head coining and the Pershing, the Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? The guards replied, no one ever spoke the way this man speaks. See, he was planting seeds in the heart of the guards who were about to rest him. They recognized a true prophet of God. And this was a process. You know, in, in, as we get up into heaven, we'll probably meet some of these guards and some of these Pharisees and Sadducees who later put their trust after Yeshua rose from the dead. This will all be revealed to us. In the heavens. Let's get back to the scripture here. 
Verse 46, the guards replied, no one ever spoke the way this man speaks. You mean you've been taken as well? The Pharisee, the Pershim retorted. See, because what was happening? More and more people were putting their trust and faith that Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's continue here. Has any of the authorities trusted in him? Or any of the Pershim? No. True, these Amharets, and what does that mean? People of the land. A slang term would be, say, these unlearned hicks, all right? Do, they believe, they put their trust, but they know nothing about the Torah, and they're living under a curse. Notice that. They began to teach the Pharisees that anyone who puts their trust in Yeshua are now under a curse. Because they cannot properly interpret Torah. Let's move forward here. Verse 50. Nakdimon, or in your translations, Nicodemus. The man who had gone to Yeshua before was one of them and said to them, Our Torah does not condemn a man, does it? Until after hearing from him and finding out what he's doing. They replied, you aren't from Galil too, are you? They're kind of saying, they're giving them a put down and say, oh, are you one of these Galileans too? You're speaking up? You're defending him? Are you kidding me? Then they say this, study the, Torah, study the Tanakh and see for yourself that no prophet comes from Galil. Then they all left and each went on to his own home. Now let us dig a little deeper. The Judean festival of Sukkot, that is the Easter tabernacle, which is a temporary dwelling, when Jewish males were required to go to Jerusalem during this time in this season. It commences on the 15th day of Teshri, five days after Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it lasts for seven days with an eight-day, as Brother David uh, shared today. It's called Shimni Atzeret, the eighth day of the assembly. And at a day of rest, this means that it comes during the late September to October. Families build booths of palm branches partly open to the sky to recall God's providence toward Israel during the 40 years of wandering in the desert and living in tents. The festival also celebrates the harvest, coming as it does at summer's end. So it is a time of thanksgiving. A little background. The nations looked at this, and let's speak of this one group that we're not a nation, but a branch of Christianity, they were called the Puritans. The Puritans took the Old Testament more seriously than many other Christians and modeled the very first American holiday Thanksgiving after Sukkot. To observe the festival, the people brought to the temple the estrog, which is a citron. It is a citrus fruit representing the fruit of the promised land. And they waved the lulav, 
which is a palm branch and a myrtle will bound together. Today, this is done in the synagogues. The festival is prophetically connected with the fate of the Gentiles. Of Zechariah, the prophet writes, it shall come about that everyone left of all the nations who came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year, year to worship the king Adonai Zabaot, Adonai of heaven's armies. There will be no rain in the land if the family of Egypt does not go up. If it does not come, they will have no overflow from their Nile River. This will be a plague which Adonai will smite the nations that do not come up to keep the festival of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. This will be a punishment of Egypt and all the nations that do not come up and keep the festival of Sukkot. And where is that found? In the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, 16 through 9. But this fulfillment will be done in the Messianic age. After the whole world has come against Jerusalem and been defeated, in light of the New Testament, it should be understood as taking place after the second coming of Messiah Yeshua. Not when he comes for his bride in the sky, but when he descends upon the Mount of Olives and sets up his millennial kingdom from Jerusalem. Going on, the rabbis of the Talmud recognize the connection of this festival with the Gentiles. Speaking of 70 bowls required by Numbers, chapter 29, 12 through 34, to be sacrificed during the seven days of Sukkot, Rabbi Azar said, to what do these 70 bowls correspond to the 70 nations found in Sukkah 55b? In rabbinic tradition, the traditional number of Gentile nations is what? But 70. The 70 bowls are to make what? Atonement for the nations. And notice this. On, prior, uh, during Yom Kippur, who was to bring a bowl and sacrifice for himself? But the high priest of the nation of Israel. And then after Yom Kippur, what takes place? But Sukkot. And what are these uh, kingly priests of Israel to do? Ten bowls they are to bring and sacrifice. Not for the nation of Israel. Not for their covering. But for the nations. Each day, seven, excuse me, ten bowls were sacrificed. To be a tempor temporary covering for the nations. See, God's redemption plan is there. Let us continue here. The festival of Sukkot is a, both the background of both chapters 7 and 8 of Yohanan's good work, good news. I'm skipping by a, a lot of my notes here. But now we're going to go now towards the portion here that speaks to the festival of Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah, literally on the last day of the great festival, that is the festival of Sukkot. In Greek, it's spelled N-E-G-A-L-E, Megali, which is Greek, which is, is great. Corresponds with the Hebrew word Rabbah. The seventh day of Sukkot was its climax. 
throughout the seven days of the festival, a special Kohen, a special priest, had carried a water in a gold pitcher from the pool of Siloam to be poured out into a basin in front of the altar by the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest. It symbolized the prayer for rain, which begins the next day on Shimni Azaret. And it also pointed toward the outpouring of what? The Ruach HaKodesh. On the people of whom? Of Israel. Because they are to be the light to the nations. Let's go forward here. The rabbis associated the custom with Isaiah 12.3. With, with joy shall you draw what? Water from the wells of salvation. And what is salvation in Hebrew? The wells of Yeshua. Let's continue here. It is a subjective reflection of how the holiday used to be celebrated. Today, in Moroccan Jews pour out water on each other at Sukkot. On the seventh day, the water pouring was accompanied by the coining blowing gold trumpets. The Levim, which are the Levites, singing sacred songs, and ordinary people waving the lulavs and chanting Hallel, praises unto God, which are Tehillim in Hebrew, in Hebrew, Psalms 113 through 118. This is a great day of celebration. There are millions of Jewish people who have come from the diaspora who are in the land of Israel, and they're in Jerusalem. This is a great time of celebration. Everyone is dwelling in booths. And they're, think about all this beef. Like they say, where's the beef? Think about that. 70 bulls have been sacrificed. 10 per day. There's God's harvest. People are enjoying, they're celebrating the divine presence of Adonai. Going forward here. They're waving their lulavs and chanting, Hallel, which includes its closing verses. And here it is. Adonai, please save us. Hoshia, Hosanna. Adonai, please prosper us. Blessed is he who came, comes in the name of Adonai. And think about that. Yeshua is hearing all this. Think about the future celebration of when Yeshua descends from the clouds and lands on the Mount of Olives, sets up his eternal uh, kingdom in Jerusalem. And it's during the feast of Sukkot and all the nations gather about. What a great celebration that's going to be. We have blessed you out of the house of Adonai. God is Adonai and he has given us light. Where is that from? But Psalm 118, 25 through 27. The words, please save us, led to the day becoming Hoshana Rabbah, the great Hosanna. This prayer had messianic overtones, as is seen from its use when Yeshua made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem a few days before his execution, found in Mark chapter 21, 9, Mark 11, 9 through 10. It was also a prayer for salvation from sin. For Hoshana Rabbah was understood to be absolutely the final chance to have one's sins forgiven. On Hoshana Rabbah, one asks to be inscribed in what? 
in the book of life. Scripture reference is Revelation 20, 12. And on Yom Kippur, one hopes to have his that inscription sealed. Yet in Jewish tradition, there remained opportunity for forgiveness up to Hushana Rabbah. In addition, a connection between the possession of the Ruach HaKodesh, that is the Holy Spirit, and the ecstasy or religious joy is found in the ceremony of the drawing of the water. Simchach Beit HaShovirah, the Feast of Water Drawing. On the festival of Sukkot, the Mishnah said that he who had never seen such a ceremony was accompanied by dancing and singing and music, found in Sukkot 5.4, had never seen true joy. Yet this is also considered a ceremony in which the participants, as it were, were drawn inspiration from the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit itself, which can only be possessed by those whose hearts are full of, of joy. So from these scripture passages here of, of John chapter 7, verses 1 through 53, we learn that Yeshua and his Talmudim, like other Jews, obeyed at least portions of the oral Torah. I got to say a second time. We also learn that Yeshua and his Talmudim, like other Jews, observed at least portions of the oral Torah and did not utterly reject it as traditions of men. Scripture references are Mark chapter 7 through 5 through 13. Since the water drawing ceremony is specified not in the Tanakh, but in the Mishnah, it was now in the midst of the water pouring, trumpet blasting, and palm waving, and psalm chanting that the ecstatic joy of the part of the people seeking forgiveness in the presence of all 24 divisions of the priesthood. That's recorded in Luke chapter 1 through 5. Think about the significance of this. All those from the priestly line of Levi were there standing as Yeshua was teaching in the temple courts. Let's go forward here and I'll wrap up very, very quickly. And it was at Luke 1 5 that Yeshua cried out in the temple courts. He said these words, if anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me and drinking. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the Tanakh says, rivers of living water will flow from his innermost being. The ultimate fulfillment will be done in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, And in fact, Yeshua was declaring, I am the literal answer to your, your prayers. He is the Mashiach. He's the eternal high priest. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Are you putting your trust in him? Going forward, his dramatic cry, supporting by the full ceremony of the temple ritual, was not misunderstood, but it was made abundantly clear in his subsequent proclamation of these words. Yeshua speaking, I am the light of the world. And where is that base, that passage from? But Psalm 118. And so think about the significance of this. The Feast of Sukkot. 
of drawing the nation of Israel to the eternal city where the spirit of the living God dwells. And then the people for seven days and those individuals representing the priests were sacrificing 10 bulls per day for the redemption of what? Of the 70 nations. Redemption, ingathering, teshuva, repentance, walking in the literal presence of Ha Elyon, the God Most High. This is what all these feasts are about a foreshadowing of what Yeshua through the Jewish people. Are going to fulfill upon this earth. So, Father, we pray for the Jewish people around this earth that do not even know you. Remove the veil from their eyes. We pray for the 144,000 men from the 12 tribes of Israel. God knows where all these tribes are, they're not lost to Him. And if those 12 tribes did not exist, then why are they recorded in the book of Revelation? Father, we just pray, Almighty God, that you would cause these individuals to arise as we are now in the last days. Pour out your Ruach, your spirit upon them. Pour out your Ruach, your spirit upon all those from the nations who have been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. May each do his portion being led by the spirit of the living God by all truth in building God's kingdom as foreordained by him. Let us hear the Father's voice. Let us hear the, the, the voice of Yeshua, our eternal high priest and king and Lord of lords. And let us hear the voice of the Ruach HaKodesh who equips and empowers us to only do what is pleasing in the Father's sight. We humbly ask and pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.